I believe that without a doubt, if we'll live for the glory of God in this year, we will see God do great things in our heart and in our life. We can't change others. We can't change Congress. We can't change things that are going on in the United States. But what we can change is we can change our walk with God by drawing near to God. We can change us. I challenge you to seek to uh, live for the glory of God. Last week we looked at this, living on spiritual water. Living on spiritual water. And that spiritual water, Jesus speaks clearly that it is the Holy Spirit that gives us the water, springing up water of everlasting life. I hope you have been enjoying that water of life, the walking in the Spirit this week. Now this week I want you to join with me in Psalms 1. And we're going to go to Psalms in chapter 1. Too blessed to be stressed. I tell you, uh, I thought about a lot of things to preach on today, all right? Now remember, remember I told you I'm going to preach on it one day? I just haven't decided when. When Ahab and Jezebel ascend the throne. Right? Remember I told you that? And uh, when Ahab and Jezebel ascend the throne, the Bible says they sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord. And I believe that that biblical truth just, you know, replies to everything in life. And Ahab and Jezebel ascend the throne. But I didn't want to discourage you today. So I thought I would go to Psalms chapter 1. And the Lord led me here uh, to encourage our hearts around the things of God. And uh, to put our focus where it needs to be today. Too blessed to be stressed. Psalms chapter 1, many of you know it by heart. The Bible says, Blessed is the man. And if you're there with me, I'm going to encourage you to join with me when we get to verse 2, all right? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful together. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. The Bible says that he shall be like a tree planted by the river of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Together the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I love that truth, and for me today, there is a confident assurance in my heart that this truth will play out in my life and in my generation. The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly, he says, shall perish. There's a confident assurance, Romans 8, that all things work together for good to them that love God, them who are the called according to his purpose. I encourage you as you seek to navigate your life this week and you seek to understand things, just recognize, my friend, that even when Jesus was on the earth, there were many things that transpired and, and uh, there were false accusations and all these things. You just follow 30 pieces of silver uh, this week and notice the Judases and, and put your attention upon Jesus Christ, who his word alone can give us the hope. His word alone can give us the answers in these uncertain times. I thank God that evil will not prosper, but truth will prevail. The Bible tells us in Psalms 1, Blessed is the man. Too blessed to be stressed. Like it's been a stressful year for a lot of people, and I continue to hear how suicide's on the rise, and it troubles my heart greatly. And because of everything that's gone on in the nation and around the world, more people are dying of suicide than they are of anything else right now. And it scares me. Uh, you say, why does it scare you? Because that, my friend, is a more important issue. The issue
issue of people's hearts and what people are dealing with in their hearts. And uh, God cares about our hearts. And you say, what's been ignored? The spirit of man, the, the inner man has been ignored. And we've been focusing on, on things that are the external instead of on the internal. Today, I believe we're living in a time when we have the greatest opportunities that we have had in 50 years to see people get saved. We're living at a time in when our focus and our perspective are more important than ever. You say, what do you mean by that? People are genuinely afraid right now. People are genuinely in fear right now. When in your life have you ever seen 25,000 troops stationed around Washington, D.C.? When? It has never happened in your entire life. All right? When in your entire life have you seen chain link fences go up around the Capitol building like communist China around that building? When have you ever seen that in your entire life? It has never happened in our lives. Uh, it is a very unique situation. It is a very strange situation. Uh, all the events that transpired the week prior, very, very unusual and strange and uncertain times. All the events that transpired this year and last year, very unusual, strange and uncertain times. And people are beginning to question things of eternity, things that are important. And I believe that people right now have a tender heart towards the things of God and that they are genuinely, many are genuinely seeking for the truth. They might be too afraid to come to church to find out about it, but they're genuinely seeking for the truth because the heart of man, uh, there is an inner desire in here. God has built it to us, uh, an inner need for God, and we are not satisfied, we are not filled until we have God in our life. But he created us, my friend, and he is in control of all things. I believe the way we view reality will affect everything about how we live. Think about that. The way we view reality will affect everything about the way we live. May I ask you a big question this morning? How much of God's Word is in your heart? How much of God's Word is in your heart? Do you know as much about the book of Proverbs as you do about President Trump? Do you know as much about the book of Proverbs as you know about the news, as you know about sports. Look, we live in a world of information, but if we're not careful to saturate our souls in the Word of God, we're going to be drowned out by the opinions of fallible men. And this morning, if you're taking notes, I, my focus is going to be uh, a little different this morning in the outline you follow, but it's going to be a little different, a little different type of an outline this morning. There is one thing I want us to get, and by the grace of God, to open our minds to the truth that God wants to help us to understand in this passage. Blessed is the man. This morning, first, I want us to focus on this truth from verse 1, the divine blessing. The divine blessing. The Bible says here, blessed is. Now, if you understand grammar, this word is a noun, and uh, this word is a very important word in Hebrew. This word is, in Hebrew, by the way, some people in the thing haven't figured this thing out. There are some languages in the world that have gender, they only got two types of gender in them. Like Spanish, remember that? Okay, you got masculine and feminine, and uh, you have in, in Hebrew you have the same thing, masculine, and you have feminine, and uh, you see here this word is a masculine plural noun, and it means oh happy, and literally the word means oh the happiness of the man, oh the happiness of the man. Look, you can seek to erase different things from society, but God has built the very principles into the structure of his word and to his very structures of language. There is identity. 
God's blessing is the greatest thing that can ever happen in our lives. And in this verse, he says, bless, bless. Oh, how happy is the man. Bless is the man. Bless is the woman. Bless is the individual. Absolutely, it applies to anyone who will seek after God. But I believe if the man in the home will seek after God, he'll provide great influence over the home. Sadly, uh, many men don't seek after God and their children get involved in things they don't need to because the daddy didn't put God first in his life. I thank God for every parent that seeks after God. God's blessing is the greatest thing you and I will ever have in our life. The divine blessing. This morning, God wants us to have a divine blessing. A divine blessing upon our life. Uh, I ask you this morning... Uh, because God's blessing will give you more happiness than you've ever had, is your marriage happy? If it lacks happiness, it is because you have here your key. You have found your key today. Is your marriage happy? If it lacks happiness, here's your key. Are you at peace in your relationships? If not, here you will find your blessing. Are you afraid? It is here you will find the power for your mind. The power for your mind. Divine blessing. Follow me this morning. I want you to think about this. So it's meditating on this passage, this truth God settled upon my heart. The greatest problems among us are mental problems rooted in a mind that is empty of God's word. I hear an amen on that one. Alright? I'm pretty deep, okay? The greatest problems among us are Mental problems. But it's not, my friend, because of that situation or whatever. No, it's rooted in a mind that is empty of the Word of God. Empty. When you see it, just think about it. If you look back at a relationship problem, whatever it might be, how much of God's Word is navigating that situation? How much of God's Word is guiding that? Mental problems. Relational problems today. Uh, problems in and people are so confused and so mixed up and so uh, medicated into the height and yet still so, so, so depressed. Why? Mental problems because they're rooted in a mind that is empty of God's Word. I don't know about you, but my hope is in God's Word. When I see things going on, uh, I'm reminded that the, the Word of God never fails. I'm reminded that God is in control. If we wonder why those around us uh, maybe don't want our God. Maybe it's because they can see the mental problem. Maybe they can see that we have made up our mind about the issues of the day. Uh, maybe they, they have seen that uh, our mindset is not even in alignment with the Word of God. By the way, the lost can often observe that, but sometimes better than a Christian when our mind is empty of the Word of God. They can, uh, uh, they can see the present instability in our mind. Are you vacillating in your mind and can't make your mind up? Instability. That comes from a lack of God's Word. Uh, they can see the financial problems. They can see the relational problems among the people of God. And they assume the problem is from religion messing with our mind. But I present to you today, the problem is that the mind is empty of the Word of God. Anybody agree with me? Hey, 
Every time I struggle in a relationship, in a situation, that is true of my life, all right? And when we can't focus right, when we can't see things right, when we're upset, when we're angry, when we're bitter, it's because our mind is devoid, it is empty of the very word of God, because the Bible says, vengeance belongs unto me, saith the Lord, I will repay. And the Christian should never seek to assert himself over God. We are filled with everything except the divine perspective. And we focus on, well, this and that. We focus on the details of others' lives instead of looking and saying, what is going on in my own heart? Uh, what is the divine perspective that God wants me to have today? How much of the word is saturating my heart? That was just be ready to give an answer. Look, for eight months I've been trying to build relationships with certain individuals in my life, trying to get to know them, trying to uh, just... just uh, have an open door there, be their friend. And even this week, God opened up some conversations. So people are very curious about the things that are going on in the times. And uh, I had a tremendous 45-minute conversation with a young man who needs God like never before. And you know what? He was so open now. Why? Because I tell you, the times are uncertain. And my friend, if you don't have the word on your heart, uh, look, I didn't have, have time right then to go run to my car and get the Bible. For somebody that doesn't know the Bible or... Uh, is maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit embarrassed almost if I would have opened the Bible in front of, in that situation, in front of other people. But you know what? If you know the Word of God in your heart, it comes out. And if it comes out, you're ready to give an answer. And you can provide hope and help to people around you who need the Word of God. The divine blessing has been promised to us. And often we assume we have the blessing of God. But our life shows there's a missing link. The blessing isn't there. The divine happiness and the eternal blessing of the hand of God in our life is the greatest thing we could ever wish for. And so this morning, I believe there's God, God has simple steps that he wants us to follow. And they're found right in this passage to help us to receive the blessing of God. And uh, tell you, we live in a generation that's focused on the externals receiving of blessings. But I believe this morning, this is going to cut right to the chase and help us with this subject Helping our minds be filled with the word of God. This morning first, uh, God's simple steps to receiving his blessing. He says, obey God in the counsel. Psalms 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Uh, God's simple step is, I will obey only godly counsel. I will obey only godly counsel. And I'd like to read you a brief quote from the book, When a Nation Forgets God, by Erwin Lutzer, who lived through much trouble, far greater than you or I have ever experienced. I will obey only godly counsel, he said. He said, when God is separated from government, judgment follows. Hitler did not discourage people from attending church. He was baptized a Catholic who had long since, he was a baptized Catholic who had long since abandoned his faith. He did not mind if others continued to attend church as long as it did not affect the way they lived or the values they held. He called this positive Christianity. Kind of sounds like the religion we have floating around in America today. Devoid of God. Positive Christianity. Uh, since Germans had for centuries celebrated Christmas and Easter, he tried to reinterpret their meaning. Christmas was turned into a totally pagan festival. Hmm. School prayers were banned. And carols and nativity plays were forbidden in schools. If religion was tolerated, it had to be secularized in such a way that it would be comparable with the state's commitment to the greater good of a revived Germany. 
Most of the churches bowed to the cultural currents and endorsed the positive Christianity that was in line with government policies. By insisting that their faith was private and it should not be brought into the political sphere, these, dutifully, uh, these Christians dutifully tolerated the access of the regime. Simply, they continued to study their Bible and to maintain a warm heart. But they were, and they're to be commended for doing that, they were half right. But certainly they were more, much more effective than those who ceased to study the Bible and enthusiastically endorsed the regime. But these pious Christians thought that if they left Hitler alone, he would leave them alone. But they soon discovered it was not possible. Hitler also put pressure on them to have their children indoctrinated in the state schools, and thanks to the cultural pressure, their churches were not equipping the members to stand against the abuses that were developing around them. Fall of Germany. And by the way, a lot of people are being compared to Hitler today, but Hitler's more in line with a party that would kill babies, all right? That's, that's what Hitler type of attitude was. He did kill the babies. He did kill the innocent life. He didn't preserve the innocent lives. He didn't care about them. I will obey only godly counsel. See, these people try to follow Hitler. They try to follow this, this man who at that time was turning the nation far from God. He had no respect for church in that way. He only did it to further his regime. And sadly, sadly, the nation was duped. You know, Hitler took these people and put them on cattle trains, and they would go right by a church building. And uh, there's a testimony of a woman who describes, an individual who describes how they would sit in church, and as they were in church worshiping, they would hear the cries of the people on the train driving right by church. And you know what they started doing on Sunday mornings? They just started singing louder. They would sing louder to drown out the noise and screams of the innocent lives going by them, going to be executed. My friends, we live in a time where uh, many innocent lives are slaughtered all around us. Slaughtered all around us. Innocent lives. Now they can even be slaughtered after they're born. Killed. The doctor can just kill them right there on the table after the baby has been born. It is an abomination to God for that to happen. That's an innocent life. And my wife went and had an ultrasound this week, and my friend, uh, that baby is a living soul. They can figure out the gender at a very young age. Now, we don't know it yet because in a secret envelope that's going to be delivered to a baby. Um, but we don't we don't know, all right? But um, my, my wife said she didn't want to know, and so it's in a little envelope, and we're going to deliver it to the baker, and you'll find out what we're doing next week. And so, um, but in the midst of all this, we see a nation that has rejected God. I will seek to obey only godly counsel. We want the blessing of God. The Bible says in Psalms 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not, he says, in the counsel of the ungodly. Counsel of the ungodly. It looks in many times similar to uh, good things, but it is twisted. Next, we should stay on the clean path. If you look in the passage, he says, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Look, there's just some paths that don't go to the right destination. And uh, if I want to go on the interstate here, and let's say I want to head north, I'm not going to get out on the interstate, put my car on the on-ramp going south on 87. I would be a fool. I sit there and go, well, I just hope it goes the right way. And that's the same way it is to try to live following the counsel of the world. I'm standing in the way of the ungodly. I'm on the highway to hell. And instead of recognizing I'm on the wrong path, I just sit there and follow the counsel 
Sit there and enjoy the path. I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. And Psalms clearly identifies this. Uh, the psalmist says, Nor standeth in the way of sinners. Proverbs 14 addresses this. And if you'd like to join me there, you're welcome to. Proverbs 14 and verse 12. Proverbs 14 and verse 12. It's a lot of the Word of God gives us the answers for everyday life. Too blessed to be stretched. You have the blessing of God this morning on your life. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There is a way which seemeth right. But the end thereof, he says, are the ways of death. I believe that our nation is in the final stages of we have rejected the Almighty God. We've rejected the plan of God. We've rejected the will of God. And uh, it's just disgusting to see how our nation has turned away from God and turned to fables, turned to foolishness. And my friend, as a Christian, we've got to stay on the clean path. And it's going to mean that you're going to have to, there's going to come a point where we're going to say, you know what, we're not going to cave. We're not going to cave to this world's agenda. We're not going to cave to the opinions of men, especially when these people of the world are complete hypocrites, all right? You say, what do I mean by that? Look, if you can say 6,000 people can show up for a game, which you've been saying for months, if you say that right in the middle of a rise of COVID, but, you, but the same politician has been saying for months that, that the people couldn't even gather for more than 10. Not, not more than 10, not more than 20. Oh, not more than 25. You can't worship God. No, no, no. It doesn't matter if you wear full PPE. Doesn't matter if you wear gloves, doesn't matter if you're gowns, doesn't matter what you know you're gonna get fine, you can't worship God. The same individual saying that says, No, you can have six thousand. You say, Well, they all got a test. Six thousand people still can gather. But you can't gather and worship God. Talk about priorities. It's all about money. It's all about money. It's evil in the sight of God. Evil in the sight of God. I must stay on the clean path. Also, I can't condemn the innocent. With these three things, they seem humanly impossible. I can't condemn the innocent. Uh, if I'm going to walk in the way that pleases God, don't condemn the innocent. Uh, there's something called due process in our law, isn't there? Right? Due process. And I don't care who you are or what you are. Uh, if I get pulled over, if you get pulled over, there's a due process of the law. All right? Uh, there's a due process to get that. If I was to speed, there's a due process. It's about 45 to 60 days before I even have to pay that fine. And uh, there's a due process. I, I get the opportunity, if I want to, to go and present my case before the judge and to plead my side of the story. I have an opportunity to provide a written account of what I did. And I have an opportunity to bring witnesses if I so desire. There's something called due process. And as a Christian, uh, it's very important that we not condemn the innocent. We live a life that says, you know, I'm not going to condemn somebody who is uh, who's innocent until proven guilty. Now, there's a way we ought to conduct our life. Uh, and you're going to find more and more as the days get more evil, there's going to be a more of an intent for honest citizens to turn in their friends for violating laws that go against the first and second amendment. And you're going to need to decide as a Christian, what am I going to do? And there comes a point at which we need to obey God rather than man. There comes a point at which we need to put God's will, uh, God's word first, and I'm not going to condemn somebody who is innocent, who 
who's just seeking to worship God, and uh, they need to worship God. They're not going to condemn them and, and, and accuse them falsely. If we'll be honest, we've all struggled with these things. And they're, they're only possible. It's only possible for us to stay on the clean path, to not condemn the innocent. It's only possible for us to follow godly counsel if we will do this follow step. And following step, and this following step is the hardest of them all. God steps to receive his blessing. He says, don't condemn the innocent. But he says, lastly this morning, this is the toughest one. We want the blessing of God upon our life. Meditate on the word 24-7. Would you say that together with me? Meditate on the word 24-7. None of us have attained to that. But it ought to be more and more. Uh, the Word of God, if we, we think about it before we go to sleep, there's more of a chance we will remember it. If you're trying to memorize the Bible verse, the best way to memorize it is to read it right before you go to bed and go to sleep thinking on the Word. And the Word of God will be internalized in your heart. Uh, I will meditate on the Word of God. The Bible says in, in verse 2 of this man that his delight, this person who has the blessing of God, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. I thank God that I've had a privilege to live for many years in a nation that has had respect to the law of God. And although we have been on a fast path to destruction by removing the word of God from our schools, by removing the word of God from prayer, by removing the name of Jesus, by, by seeking, to, seeking to extinguish God, my friends, the Word of God still has had precedence in our land for a long period of time. And in this land, God promises blessings if we will delight in His law. Delight in His law. When the Word of God takes priority in our lives, we'll rely more on it says than what we think it says. Too much of our theology, the view of God, is simply based upon what men have taught us, not upon our own meditation of saturation from the Word of God. I want you to think about that. Your viewpoint on everything about life, did it come because a pastor taught you, because some person taught you the Bible study, or did it come because you meditated on the Word of God? And if we be honest, the majority of our theology often comes from men and women that we have listened to. And we have not yet ourselves saturated in the Word of God to discern whether that was actually the Word of God or not. To discern whether that was actually truth or whether that was an error. The Bible says we are to search the Scriptures. And as Christians, that should be the way in which we seek to live. And my friend, if you are not a Christian today, you need to come to a place where you put your faith in the Word of God. You put your faith in the fact that Jesus died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You come to a place where you put your faith in Christ alone. He alone is the way to heaven. And when we meditate on the word of God, it gives us life in our soul. You'll find out. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ as a new believer, you begin to meditate on the word of God, you will have more wisdom than many of the Christians around you very quickly. You know why? Because most Christians do not meditate on the word of God. Don't take that, please don't take that harshly, but it's just the reality. All right? Most Christians don't meditate on the word of God. And it's why we are at where we are at in our nation. Too often we have issues that we will defend with all of our heart, 
but those issues are distracting us from opening our minds to the very Word of God. Everything I have been taught must be examined through the Word of God. Everything you have been taught must be examined through the Word of God. And if you look at Joshua 1.8, Joshua was given a challenge here. And uh, it was, this challenge helped him in his life. It guided him as he, as a young man, led the nation of Israel. And Moses, the meekest man. Can you imagine following up after the meekest man? You're the next leader. This guy was like the best. Moses was the best. And here Joshua, he's a man who's saturated in the word of God. And this is the commission Joshua was given from Moses. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then shalt thou make thy way, what he says, prosperous. And then shalt thou have, he says, good success. You want success in life? You want to succeed? My friend, God can take your troubles and turn them into triumphs if you will put the word of God first in your life. Yes, we still have to deal with the consequences of the actions we have committed. But my friend, God will give us grace. He will give us success. He will provide. He will work exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. I've seen God do this over and over again in my life. You get to the end of your rope and say, oh, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. And the phone rings. God gives you a job. God gives you uh, a friend. Whatever you need, the Lord has promised he will provide if you will meditate on his work. He says, make thy way prosperous, and then I shall have good success. You say, prosper in what way? How about having successful relationships generationally? That would be a great way to prosper. God wants us to prosper in our life. He wants us to be blessed. But he says, you've got to meditate on my word 24-7. That's a tough call. That's a challenge. But my friend, it ought to be something that we seek to do with all of our heart. Lord, help me to meditate on your word. And I want to encourage you with a few uh, thoughts as we think on meditating on the Word. We're going to have a biblical viewpoint on life, right? Here's a couple of quick thoughts, and they will not be on the screen, but I'm just going to give them to you. A couple of thoughts, eight quick thoughts about meditating on the Word and having a biblical viewpoint. I'm going to give you a scripture with these, and uh, if you're taking notes, um, you might want to use shorthand or something, all right? God's Word is always true. Psalms 33, verse 4. God's word is always true. It never fails. His word endures forever. God's word is always true. If a Christian is going to have a biblical viewpoint, we must have that settled. I've had conversations with people who are ungodly, and they've said to me, you know what? I believe God's word is true. I believe everything in the word of God is true. And then they start to tell me their worldview, and I'm like, wow, there's a lack of saturation of the word of God in this. And we deal with one thing at a time, gently, kindly. But the Word of God is always true. Secondly, if I'm going to have a biblical worldview, it should include this truth. There is only one way to heaven. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. One way to heaven. One path to heaven. John 14, 6 teaches us that. When Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, there's only one way to heaven. Titus teaches us that in Titus 3, 5. And in Titus 2, Thirdly, if I'm a Christian, I have a biblical worldview. I understand that innocent babies are created in the image of God. They're loved by God. I just need to understand, as a Christian, my viewpoint on life is that those, the innocent children 
are created in the image of God, that they are loved by the Almighty God. Psalms 139 speaks of how He forms us in the inner, in the womb. He knew us in the womb. Jeremiah 1 speaks to the same truth. So innocent babies are created in the image of God. Biblical truth. They're loved by God. You believe God loves you today. You believe God loves you. I believe He loves me. And look, that goes for a two and a half year old. That goes for the unborn child as well. He goes for everyone. He loves all who he has created. And that extends to the babies. Fourthly, Israel belongs to God. And God will bless the nations that bless it. Genesis 12. It's the Abrahamic covenant. Israel belongs to God. It's not mine. It's not America's. It's not Iran. It belongs to God. He's promised to bless the nations that bless it. So that's a promise of God. It's a biblical viewpoint in life. Israel belongs to God. Why is it so important? Why is it so important how we treat Israel? Because it belongs to God. Fifthly, God has ordained the essential gathering of his people. Like that. Otherwise, you could say the absolutely necessary gathering. Uh, Hebrews 10.25 teaches that clearly. God has ordained the essential gathering of his people. Sixthly, te technology is only a temporary tool to proclaim the word of God. It should not be our only tool. Now, if I got a, if I got a biblical mindset, I'll look at technology, understand, look, Facebook Live, all these things, YouTube, all these things, uh, they're not going to last forever. Uh, one day, the Lord's going to melt the earth with a fervent heat, okay? And so God has uh, ordained certain methods and certain manners in order to communicate, in order to, uh, to share his word with us. And we thank God for technology, but it's a temporary tool. We should view it as that instead of viewing it as the only tool. Uh, seventh, we should view persecution by government as something uh, that believers will go through. Persecution by government is something that believers will go through. The Bible says, all of the godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, for many of you, that upsets you. Persecution by the government against believers is something that I will live through. I believe that. You say, Pastor, that's really harsh. You ought to read the book, Forward Through Fear, that we have by Edgar Figali. How he describes how he lived through fear. He lived through absolute persecution and destruction as they seek to eradicate the church. And my friend, I tell you, people have lived through a lot more difficult times than we're living today. We've had this coddled Christian mindset that we believe, well, I'm still not going to have to live through persecution. The next thing on the, on the timetable is that Jesus is coming soon. And that is correct. That is the eighth truth. The rapture is the next event on God's prophetic calendar. But that doesn't mean that there won't be any persecution before the rapture. It's a false biblical mindset to assume that I, as a Christian in America, will never have to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ while believers in China are right now being locked up, arrested, and, and extinguished for their faith. They're being murdered in Iran and all over the world. They're being murdered for their faith. It's been like that for generations. And I assume, in my pride, that no, God's just going to come and rescue me without ever having to suffer a lick of persecution. That is an unbiblical mindset. And it explains why we don't witness like we should to our loved ones. Why we don't meditate on the Word like we should. Why we don't saturate ourselves with the Word of God because we think we're just going to be able to coast on it to heaven. And my friend, that might just... Now, Jesus could come back today. But there's a high possibility we're going to have to go through a little bit of persecution. You say, is that the tribulation? That's not the tribulation. Okay? Um, I do believe that the believers go up before the tribulation. Now, 
some in the room might disagree with me about that. And the Lord will straighten us out of heaven. Okay? Um, uh, I'm not here to uh, try to convince you completely to go to my mindset on that. But uh, I believe 1 Thessalonians 4 teaches that. But when we seek to have a biblical mindset as Christians, we should understand that persecution by government against believers is something that I will probably live through because of the believers for centuries have lived through it. I hope that doesn't upset you today. But as a Christian, if I'm going to have the Word of God in my life, and I've been, I've been surprised how many Christians, I tell them that truth and they go, oh no, 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 that won't happen. I'm like, you're not saturated with the Word. You're empty of the Word. Because the Word of God is so clear that all of the godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And we, it, trouble, it troubles us. Look, it upsets me to think that I might have to suffer. It upsets me to think that my children might have to suffer. It upsets me to think that I might have to uh, literally be, be tortured and imprisoned for my faith. That upsets me. It, it troubles my spirit, absolutely. It, it, it burdens me. It, it's something that, look, it's not easy to swallow that type of a pill. But other Christians, if you read any Christian who has the viewpoint that, look, uh, no, I'm just not going to have to suffer. You ought to read Hebrews 11. They were sawn asunder, the Bible says. And we expect we're going to somehow get a, get a free ride. They suffered for their faith. They went through extreme persecution. They were tortured. They were in prison. Paul was in prison. And we expect we're going to have to do nothing. Um, there have been generations that have had to do nothing. Uh, but my friend, I don't think that this is that generation. Um, the Lord may come back in the next year. He may come back in the next five years. I don't know when he's coming back. That is the next event on God's prophetic calendar. He said, no man knoweth the day nor the hour except the Father in heaven. So I don't know what, when that is going to take place, but I do know this. Jesus is coming soon, but I also know this. Looking at things going around, persecution is coming soon too. And I as a Christian need to be ready to defend my faith. You say, why? Because, my friend, there will be a time, it always happens in every land, uh, when the Word of God is no longer legal to have Look, if you can call different things that have been called hate speech, or hate, uh, if you can call things hate speech that aren't hate speech, it won't be long before they turn their attention back to this book. Because this book is very clear about the way we should live. And this book confronts uh, many, many things in our culture that have gone against God. And so there will be a time, I believe, where in America right now we have the greatest access to this book. But I believe there will be a time well, that might just be erased from the internet. You think that might be possible? You think it might be possible for them to just click on a couple of buttons and, and erase something from the internet? Like, maybe they just decide they don't like Christians anymore and just erase anything that you have to do with God and Christianity? I believe that may happen, my friends. Uh, we wouldn't have believed that a couple months ago. We wouldn't have believed that a couple years ago. But at this point, anything is possible, and they have even said that their goal is, uh, and by the, by the way, there's a lot of things coming out. I'm trying to keep your Focus on something positive, so we'll turn back to that right now. Um, <laughs> Pastor, it's supposed to be positive. Okay. But uh, God's simple step, He said, I want you to meditate on my word. Meditate on my word. When we finish, as we finish out this morning, I want you to take on this truth too blessed to be stressed. I'm not just going to sit here and say, wow, I'm, I'm just blessed. And have a little uh, yoga, you know? That's not the biblical mindset, okay? It's that I let God's word saturate in my mind. Now, look, you might need to get in some position and help your body relax. I understand that. But, my friend, uh, we ought to let the word of God soak into our heart. That's what ought to give us strength. That's what ought to give us life. That's what ought to give us encouragement right now. And the Bible says that the man and the woman will, will meditate 
on the word of God will find the blessing of God. It'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Their leaf will not will not uh, perish. Their, and the Bible says they'll, they will prosper. Their fruit will come in due season. God wants to give you fruit in your life. He wants to give me fruit in my life. That will only come if I'll have a biblical mindset. I believe our problems, our mental problems, are directly related to the lack of the word of God in our lives. I believe if we'd be honest with the Lord today, we'd say, you know what, Lord, help me. Lord, cleanse me. Lord, forgive me for not meditating on your word. And I purpose by the grace of God, I'll meditate on the word in this new year. Let's, let's uh, stand for prayer as the piano begins to play in just a moment. We're going to take a moment to stand for prayer. I'm going to encourage you today to pray in your seat. And uh, I encourage you to seek the Lord right there in your seat. And let's bow for prayer right now. Father, will you take this time? Will you quiet our hearts? Will you help us as we are standing here before you to let the Holy Spirit of God speak? And Lord, that we would obey and we would surrender. Help us to just be willing to admit, truth is, I'm not full of the word like I should be. Truth is, it's not at the priority that it should have. Forgive me, Lord. Cleanse me, Lord. Help me to walk and seek the Word of God. If that's your desire, to seek the Word of God, if that's your desire, to put the Word of God first in your life today, I want to ask you to join with me and say, Amen.